Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Behind the Set List, the podcast where artists tell the stories about the songs they perform live. The power of a song is an incredible thing. Um, and the power of the right song with just the right artist at just the right time is a, is a super magical thing. And those don't happen very often. But um, Carrie Underwood had, she was on American Idol. She had not won American Idol. We didn't know who she was when we wrote that song. But she wins American Idol, and now we have the perfect artist to record this perfect song. That was Brett James, a musician and songwriter from Nashville, talking about co-writing the song Jesus Take the Wheel that was a number one hit for Carrie Underwood. Brett talks about that song, writing with Kenny Chesney, the business of being a songwriter, and much more in this episode of Behind the Set List. I'm Jay Gilbert from Label Logic. And I'm Glenn Peoples from Billboard. Hey, Jay. Yes, sir. This is our second country-themed podcast, and we have a great one. Songwriter Brett James. We were fortunate enough to sit down and talk with Brett in person while we were in Nashville not long ago Mm -hmm. in his office on Music Row, which is very Nashville setup of an old craftsman style house filled with shelves and walls full of awards, Mm -hmm. probably some platinum records, if I recall. Yeah. Yeah. Brett was originally signed as a solo artist by Arista Nashville back in 1995. And he's certainly made his mark as a songwriter in Nashville. But Brett can sing and play with the best of them. And he wrote and recorded two solo EPs in 2020. One is called True Believer. The other one is called Tell the People. Just some amazing music. Uh, The average person may not know the name Brett James, but they've certainly heard his music. Brett James has had more than 500 of his songs recorded by some of the biggest artists in the world. This includes Tim McGraw, Kenny Chesney, Jason Aldean, Luke Bryan, Keith Urban, Bon Jovi, Taylor Swift, Kelly Clarkson, the list goes on and on. Brett's songs have appeared on albums with combined sales of over 110 million copies. He has a Grammy in 2006 for the signature Carrie Underwood track, Jesus Take the Wheel. He talked to us about writing that song and what it's meant to his career. Very interesting story. Brett was named ASCAP's Country Songwriter of the Year in 2006 and 2010 and Music Row Magazine's Songwriter of the Year in 2015. He's received more than 40 ASCAP Hit Song Awards in country, pop, Latin, and Christian genres. Yeah, he's also produced artists like Taylor Swift, Jessica Simpson, Danielle Bradbury, and Kip Moore. 
And he is one of those people who in Nashville is very well known. And in some circles, country music, he's a superstar. Absolutely. But not as well known outside of that. Songwriters aren't as well known as the recording artist. But he has the stories because he wrote the songs. Yeah, fantastic stories. So without further ado, Behind the Set List with Brett James. Let it roll. Today we're joined by Brett James. Brett, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, guys. Still to be here. Yeah. Hey, Brett. Hey, hey. We're having a conversation here in Music Row in your office, surrounded by awards, trophies, some plaques. <laughs> um, and we're going to start the conversation off with your 38th Top 40 hit, which is pretty deep into your career. That was 2009. You wrote Out Last Night with Kenny Chesney. He recorded that in 2009. It was your 38th Top 40 hit. 38th of, of what? 500 now? <laughs> I have no idea, but I'm glad somebody's counting. Yeah. And, and this is years into your career. You started as a solo artist in 93. I did, yeah. I got signed to Arista Records back in 1993 by our, our good friend Tim Dubois. Yeah. Brought me to town. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's been quite a run. I failed miserably as a recording artist for a bunch of years, and then I went back to med school once and then decided and then somehow kind of got rescued by my songs, started getting recorded by people. And uh, so I chased that, been chasing that for a, a long time now. And what was it by the time you're in – doing this with Kenny and you've got a lot of hits under your belt. What was that songwriting process like writing with him? Well, that was one of the most fun songs I ever wrote. One of the most fun days I've ever had, honestly. Uh, you know, Kenny called me uh, about four thirty on a Sunday afternoon and it was Christmas Eve. And I was, I would never forget. I was standing in my kitchen with a flip phone and uh, you know, my, it rang, it rings and it, I looked down, it says blocked. And, you know, in our business, if, if the phone says blocked, you almost have to pick up because it's usually somebody, you know, famous. And uh, so I pick up and, you know, Kenny's on the other line and he says, uh, hey, man, what are you doing day after tomorrow? And I'm like, well, thinking, you know, it's Christmas Eve. I have four children under 12 at the time. You know, so, of course, I said, well, nothing, man, you know, what you got in mind, you know, and uh, what Kenny had in mind was more fun than what I had planned. Um, he said, well, why don't we go down to the islands and write some songs? Fortunately, in my house, my four kids know where Christmas presents come from. You know, they know, they know who pays for Santa around our house. So, you know, I was 48 hours later, you know, I found myself getting on a jet that takes us to where it's pretty crazy that you, you get on his jet and they drop you on one island and then they transfer your bags to a helicopter that takes you to his house. It's it's pretty pretty first class way to travel. So, you know, we get there and uh, you know, it's December twenty sixth and it's you know, Nashville gets pretty dark at four fifteen in December and it's gray and kinda cold and all that. And so uh, you know, we went out and, you know, we smelled that salt air and and felt the warm breeze and went out and had some fun that particular night. And uh, I remember, I remember I bailed early at about one, I think. I don't know what time Kenny got home, but um, anyway, next morning I wake up and I grabbed a cup of coffee and my guitar and went out and sat on his back deck, which had 
one of the most beautiful views I've ever seen in my life. And uh, I just sat there kind of strumming guitar, drinking coffee, and, you know, thinking about life. And two or three hours later, finally, kind of the, the, the back door to his room kind of creaks open, and Kenny sticks his head out, and he looks at me, and he goes, Brett, we went out last night. And I was like, well, yeah, we did, man. And, you know, maybe that's the song we ought to write today. So I started singing a little, strumming a little groove and singing a little song and or singing a little melody, and he kind of joined right in. And, uh, you know, we just, like all good songs, we just talked and laughed about the night before for a couple, two or three hours. And uh, and we came up with uh, this song out last night. We went out last night Like we swore we wouldn't do Drank too much beer last night A lot more than we wanted to Even the crazier thing about that day is We wrote that song and we drank some rum Like we always do and had some lunch And uh, that afternoon we wrote another song called Reality And uh, both those songs ended up being number one And so that was like Maybe the greatest songwriting day I've ever had in my life Because, you know, that's never going to happen again So I have to thank Kenny for that day It was fantastic so you went out last night, and the reality was? Reality was we wanted to reality escape reality. Reality the next morning. No, reality was let's escape reality. <laughs> so we, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's fun. Tell us a little bit about Something Bad. Uh, a fantastic duet, Miranda Lambert, Carrie Underwood, killer video, killer song. Tell us about that. How'd that come together? Well... Not all songs have a good story, so don't don't think just because my first <laughs> these first two have good stories, they're not all this uh, they're not all this cool. But um, for a bunch of years, I got to go to this uh, songwriting camp uh, sponsored by ASCAP uh, at at uh, at a castle in France, uh, and it's pretty cool songwriting camp. It was it's uh, owned by Miles. Uh, why am I blanking on his last name? His manages the police. Copeland, Miles Copeland. Everybody knows. Everybody knows Miles Copeland, and so Miles bought this castle back in the early '90s and started doing songwriting camps there. And you know, everybody came through from Bon Jovi to Cher to like super famous people. And and they had to stop them at 9/11, and then they restarted them up a few, few years later, like 09, 010. And anyway, I got invited to go to one, and um, and uh, that song was written at that camp. And what you do at that camp is like you just wake up in the morning and it's it's a producer, an artist, and a songwriter, a top liner we call them now. It's all pretty much a pop camp. It's not it's not you're not really there to write country songs. So we're there mainly focusing on writing pop songs. And our artist this particular day it was Chris DeStefano, who's an amazing songwriter producer in Nashville, one of my best friends, and another one of my best friends now, uh, uh, an amazing artist uh, named Priscilla Renee, who's having insane success right now, you know, under a pseudonym. You guys know all about that, I'm sure. But um, so we were writing. Priscilla was our artist that day. And and uh, we're in this huge, you know, the main drawing room at this castle that was literally, you know, built in 1250 AD, I think. And that's where Chris's studio always is at this at this camp. And it's just such a fun room because it's huge. And, and so we started just doing this stomp, stomp, clap thing. And we kind of had this groove. And um, so we just, and because the room has such great echo, all three of us in there are just stomping and clapping and singing at, you know, at, at the top of our lungs. And that's kind of the groove that ends, ends up being something bad. And there's big O's in the song. Whoa, 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 whoa. 
And, um, you know, it's just so fun to sing in there that um, the three of us are in the background just, you know, singing our lungs out. And you can actually hear those. They're on the, on the, on the, they made it to the record that, that uh, Carrie and Miranda ended up recording. But um, so we wrote that song that day, um, kind of thinking it was for Priscilla, but not really knowing. And we came back to Nashville and uh, got a call that Miranda's, from Miranda's manager one day that said Miranda wanted to cut it and, and maybe do a duet with it, um, duet with Carrie Underwood on it. And so, of course, nothing better could happen in our world than that in, in Nashville. So they ended up just making an incredible record on it. And uh, the fun, fun, fun end of that story is if you write uh, a number one song, while you're at the castle songwriting camp, Miles has a thing where you get knighted. <laughs> so, so the next year we go back, and there's only about eight knights that have that have gotten lucky enough. And you get a big banner in the in the in the in the dining hall, and he's got this whole you know, you've got this whole ceremony where you're wearing robes and drinking red wine all day, and every, and, and so we got to we got to be we get to be knights now at, at Chateau Merlot in uh, France, and so that's that's a fun part of that song. So. Is it Sir Brett James? At that chateau, yes. We're, you're supposed to call us Sir, which is just bizarre, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I, I, not, I don't really buy into that, but it's still pretty fun. Yeah. I think we're allowed to carry swords in France wherever we go now, and, and so that's the thing, maybe. I don't know. As one does. <laughs> just in France. Just in France only, and maybe just on, on that property. But anyway, that was a really fun song to write, and yeah, just, you know, that's kind of the beauty of songwriting is when you get to have just a joyous time making music with your friends. I mean, that's that's as good as it gets, you know, whether it's a hit or not. That's the fun part. I, I want to take the next one only because I had the pleasure of working this project with you. And it's one of my all time favorite songs. And it's not one that you wrote for somebody else. Well, maybe your daughter's helped you out a little bit with it. But tell us about the song True Believer. Wow. Yeah. Um you know, uh, I had a, I, I'm 53 years old. I'm not afraid to admit it. Um, turning 54 next month, and that, that was three years ago. I kind of I literally woke up on my 50th birthday and and was like, "What do I want to do? You know, um, what am I kind of missing in, in creatively, or you know, just what do I want to do?" Was kind of going forward in music and in business and you know, blah blah blah, and and. That day, I thought, you know, well, one thing I really miss is is making music on my own. I hadn't made a record in 20-something years, you know, 25 years. <laughs> That's a long time not to make an album. And so I literally just uh, woke up that morning. I was like, well, why don't I do it? And so I cleared my calendar for two weeks, or maybe three weeks, and uh, and just sat on my couch and wrote songs by myself for two or three weeks. And... Uh, without, without trying to, you know, most of the time pro songwriters were always kind of writing at a target. You know, we want to be on, you know, country radio, pop radio, this radio, that radio. We're, we're really trying to hit a target. We're trying to hit an artist, you know? So it's, a, there's a lot of target writing in what we do. And for me, I was like, you know, I just want to write what comes out and what feels good to me and kind of figure out, you know, using my voice, what does that sound like? And I'm, kind of a I consider myself like a half-assed soul singer you know and so um you know that's my my the stuff ended up being very soul oriented horns and all that stuff and uh true believer was just uh, uh it's not that it's not a big soulful kind of song it's just a guitar ballad but um 
it was just a song that just came to me, you know. But if you ever need a rescue, just know that I always have your back. I realized about halfway through writing it, it was, I have four kids, I love my sons just as much, but, but that song was about my little girl. And uh, it ended up kind of being a, a parental kind of, you know, you know, I'll be your true believer, you know. And, and uh, anyway, yeah, I'm proud of that one. So thanks for bringing that up because, you know, I mean, I'm, nobody's going to really hear me on the radio ever, but it's, it's, uh, it's just something I'm proud of, and, and I'm, I'm glad I did it, you know. You write a, a lot of different types of, of songs with different types of songwriters. And we wanted to talk to you about Life After You that was recorded by Daughtry. What's the Brett James rock and roll mindset versus the country mindset when you're writing a song? <laughs> What's the difference? You know, I, I just, you know, well, that song's an interesting one, too. Uh, Chris Daughtry's become a, a wonderful friend of mine uh, over the years. but And I, th- I don't think I'd ever written with him then. We actually got to do a USO tour together, sit next to each other for 38,000 miles on Air Force Two one time. And so I've wow. got, I got to know Chris pretty well <laughs> on that trip. <laughs> and one thing I remember about that trip was we would closed the show with Don't Stop Believing by Journey. And, you know, he and I would share the, the vocals. And every time it hits that, whoa, oh, you know, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Chris, Chris can sing. There's not a note he can't hit. He's one of the best singers I've ever heard. But Life After You actually came from uh, a riding trip I did to Vancouver. Um, I was going up there to ride with Chad Kruger um, uh, from Nickelback. And, uh, you know, at the height of their Nickelbackness, you know. And so I'm really excited to get the opportunity to, to get up there and, and ride with Chad. And, you know, I got up there, and he's such a great guy. Um, he's so warm and welcoming and all that. And of course, I'm hoping that we're writing, you know, Nickelback songs. Well, it turns out that he and he, you know, they're, they're huge country music fans. And Joey Moy, who's now been Nashville's producer of the year umpteen years, he's since moved to Nashville and is absolutely crushing it here, uh, was kind of there as our engineer helper studio guy. It's supposed to be Chad and I are doing the writing and, and Joey's kind of hanging, you know, and, and so anyway, I spent a couple of days uh, with Chad and Joey, and uh, the first day we wrote a song that I, th- I thought could be a Nickelback song, you know, and um, I was excited about that. And so and we went out and hung out in Vancouver, and he sh- showed me a great time. You know, it was really fun. Um, and then the next day we, we wrote just a straight-up country song, you know, just because those guys love country music, and we're like, why not? Let's just write a country song, see what happens. So I go away thinking, well, maybe I got a shot at one Nickelback. Uh, cut, you know, and, um, you know, and then who knows what will happen with this country song. It's pretty good, too. And so I get a call. From, first of all, I get a call from Chad like a week later, and he's like, man, you know, Joey was there and helpful the whole time, and Joey should be on these songs, too. And I was like, absolutely. Joey's just insanely talented. So Joey's a writer on these two songs, too. But he, you know, long story short, is a song I thought would be a Nickelback song uh, Chad sent to, to uh, Daughtry. And Dottery loved it and uh, ended up making it a single. And then, and then the song we wrote the next day uh, was just kind of a, a, a kind of a silly country song uh, called "It's a Business Doing Pleasure with You." And, and in, anyway, Tim McGraw ended up recording that one, and, and and he made it a single. It was a top ten record for Tim McGraw, so it was it was a it was a trip worth taking for sure, you know. And 
Like, you know, that the same thing. It's like you make like lifelong friends on these trips, you know, uh, and, you know, I still keep up with Chad and Joey and they're, they're dear friends now. And that's kind of what's cool about songwriting is you're, you get in a room together for a couple of days and, and dig stuff out and, you know, tell your secrets to each other and you get to be friends. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's been fantastic. That was, that was a really fun trip. You had a massive hit with Jesus Take the Wheel, Carrie Underwood, and Jeff and I flew in to see you perform at the Country Music Hall of Fame, and you told a backstory about that song and how it came together, and, and Jeff and I still talk about it to this day. Um, tell us a little bit about the backstory of Jesus Take the Wheel. Wow. Um well, Jesus Take the Wheel was, I, I use that as a very typical Nashville songwriting day. Um, you know, people who are not in like the songwriting business or the songwriting circles, you know, they they kind of assume songwriters just, you know, just kind of ride around in their car and smoke a lot of weed. And, you know, if inspiration strikes three or four times a year, they they write the song. And if not, no worries, you know, it's all good, man. You know, and, and that's just... That's a, that's that's you can be a songwriter that way. It's a, it's hard to be a successful songwriter that way. And so, you know, we treat it a little bit more like a business. We're you know we uh, and we're, we're work really hard. You know, we we usually show up you know for work like at the crack of eleven. You know, which is you know kind of I'm kidding about that, but we do show up at eleven every day. And this was a very typical songwriting day. Like you guys are sitting in my office right now, which is just a a little house on Music Row. I mean, we write in little rooms and. Each bedroom will have a little studio and some guys working in there, girls. And and this this particular day with Jesus Take the Wheel, we were working at Hillary Lindsay's house. Um, and she was already successful, but, you know, Hillary is, has gone on to be arguably the most successful female songwriter in the history of our town. She's absolutely, really? yeah, crushed it. Um, and so she was living in a tiny little, you know, 1,200-square-foot house at the time. And we were, you know, and so... A typical songwriting day, it's it's Hillary, and this was, Gordy Sampson was there with us that day, who's also a dear friend. And we, you know, the three of us just show up at the crack of 11, and you and you, you drink coffee, and you talk about life, and, you know, what's going on with boyfriends, girlfriends, husbands, wives, kids, all that stuff, catch up, let's, you know. And, and that's the first hour, at least, of every songwriting session, is just drinking coffee and kind of, you know, just relaxing and kind of getting into the, the day. But then at some point in every every songwriting session, there's like, okay, what are we going to do today? We have a blank sheet of paper in front of us, blank computer in front of us. Uh, does anyone have an original thought? You know, can who do we want to write for? We've got the the universe of music to write in and for. What do we want to do? Um, and so all of us keep lists of titles and concepts and ideas for songs, usually on our phones or. If you hear a melody that you love, you sing it into your phone. And, you know, so we're always kind of keeping track of those so that we can pull these out in those songwriter sessions. And uh, that's kind of what happens usually. It's the three of us in this particular day. I remember Hilly was sitting by her fireplace on the floor and Gordy's on the couch and I'm on the floor and we're just in the middle of her living room talking. And, uh, you know, we kind of start throwing her out, you know, ideas or concepts for songs. And uh, I don't know, probably threw out four or five and then Gordy... Gordy says, well, I got this, I got this title called When Jesus Takes the Wheel. And I'm not sure where he had heard that or if it came out of his head. But, I mean, I remember chuckling and just, like, thinking, okay, um, we got Jesus driving a car, you know, in a robe. And, you know, what does Jesus drive? Does he drive? Is he a Toyota guy? Does he drive a truck? You know, 
So I'm kind of thinking through these scenarios in my head of what in the world do we do with this title? And so we kind of, honestly, we kind of just kind of laughed it off a little bit and, um, and went and kept going around the circle with more ideas. And I guess we must've gotten stuck, you know, because we came back to this idea uh, and, and wrote a song called Jesus takes the wheel or Jesus take the wheel. And, um, about this little girl driving to Cincinnati on a snow white Christmas Eve, you know, and, and, uh, you know, it, the, the power of a song is an incredible thing. Um, and the power of the right song with just the right artist at just the right time is a, is a super magical thing. And those don't happen very often, but, um, Carrie Underwood had, she was on American Idol. She had not won American Idol. We didn't know who she was when we wrote that song, but she wins American Idol. And now we have the perfect artist to record this perfect song. And it got pitched through her producer, Mark Bright. And uh, Mark was a friend of mine. And I remember he kind of stacked the deck. I, I, I don't know if I've ever told this, but I remember he, you know, they were finishing her first three or four or five songs and they were going to pick the single out of that, out of that. And he thought it should be Jesus take the wheel. So I remember he like put the background vocals on that one. He made it sound a lot nicer than the rest of them so that the label would uh, be on board with it. And, and that was one of those things. You just have the right artist at the right time and it goes around the world. And, you know, as songwriters, we write all kinds of songs. We write silly songs and songs you're just supposed to dance to and songs you're just supposed to hear on the radio in the background. And all those songs are, 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 are awesome and valid and fun to write. Um, but, you know, once in a while we get to write a song that actually means something to people and kind of, and Jesus Take the Wheel ended up being one of those. And that's, that's the greatest part of our job, in my opinion. You could write something in someone's little living room and have this megaphone called radio or now it's streaming or however it gets to, to people's ears. And then, you know, uh, 20 years later, you can be, you know, in Australia or in, you know, Vancouver or California or London and the room will sing those words back to you and almost inevitably somebody will come up and say, you know, I have a story like that. Or, you know, I needed to hear that at that time in my life. And that's a that's a real gift. And that's something that is not to be taken for granted you know, for, for creators, I don't think. How'd that song change your songwriting career? You know, I was, when we wrote that, I'd, I was starting to do pretty well. You know, I was kind of, I'd already had Who I Am, which was a five-week number one, and I'd had uh, When the Sun Goes Down, which was an eight-week number one, and we'd written a song called Blessed that was a, a you know, I'd, I'd, I'd had some some bubbling up kind of songs, but I will say that, you know, uh, that one's, you know, I, I, I was lucky enough to get uh, put in the Songwriter Hall of Fame last year, and what they do on a, on a they, they have like a walk of fame downtown, they, you know, it's like, what's the one song we put on your thing? It's Jesus Take the Wheel for me, so. Um, it, it, it was a, it was a game changer. Yeah. And that was the first, but you've written a lot of songs with or for Carrie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Carrie's been, uh, so kind to me. I mean, she's, she's become a, a, a longtime friend and, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a cool thing that doesn't happen very often that, you know, that single came out, Jesus Take the Wicked Man 05. You know, I had two singles on Carrie last year in 2021, you know, so all of a sudden you kind of have... You realize you're, you 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 developed a cool creative relationship, and I'm just you know one tiny little ounce of her her career, but just for an artist to kind of stand by you for that long and 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 to be 
kind of loyal to to that a little bit. It's cool, and you still have to show up and, and hopefully deliver a hit, you know. Yeah. But um, you know, it's it's such a such a treat because Carrie will still listen to your outside songs and record them, and she's an amazing songwriter herself. So, uh, you know, being in the room with her is incredible. It's like being in the room with. I don't know. You know, when you when you write with someone like Carrie, it's hard to know what's good and what's bad because everything she sings sounds like a record, and you just go, "Okay, well, you really have to kind of go, is that really a good line, or is it just that you sing everything so great?" We wanted to talk to you about the truth that was recorded by Justin Aldean. So, there's another great singer to have behind your lyrics, and. Um, how well do you know Jason over the years? You know, I know him. I don't know him well. Um, we've hung out just a little bit, but we haven't, you know, he's not a guy that I, I hang out with regularly just because he's he's <laughs> he's Jason Aldean and I'm not. That's really why. But, um, yeah, uh, he's 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 always been super cool to me and recorded a lot of my songs, besides the truth, thank God. Um, but, yeah, I wrote I wrote that. I wrote the truth. is it, It's turned out to be one of my very favorite songs I've ever written. Um, why is that? You know, I think it's, got some cool integrity to it um it's a song that we never it sat on shelves for four or five years before it got recorded i wrote it with ashley monroe who is in the pistol annies and she's got her own uh solo career as well she's you know pretty famous girl in in our world but i think i wrote it with ashley when she was maybe 15 years old and and we wrote it in the living room of my house i remember um one day and we just wrote it because we thought it was cool and then, like I said, it sat on shelves for three or four or five years. And it's one of those songs that you, you know, breaks all the rules of songwriting because you really don't know what the song's about until the last line. You know, it's not an obvious big banging hook. Um, but somehow it found its way to Jason and uh, and he he put his thing on it and his thing turned into magic. And so uh, it's just it's just one of my favorite I've been a part of, one of my favorite melodies that I've ever been a part of. And I just... I love singing it, so I, I do it in every show. So talk a little bit about I Hold On um, with Dirks Bentley. Yeah, Dirks is Dirks is a, is a good friend. I, 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 he's he's fantastic. Dirks, um, he's just he's just been nothing but supportive of me and nothing but a good friend. And he's I don't know if you, you've ever met him, but he's just he's as as down to earth, cool cat as you'll ever hang out with, you know. And I just we. We both like to fly, so we talk about that all the time. Um, but I'd never, I'd known Dirks for years, never written a song with him. Um, and finally, you know, he calls and says, hey, man, why, why don't we write a song? And I was like, well, let me think what I got going on. And of course, you say, you know, anytime, any, anytime, anywhere, man. And so uh, uh, this is the first time we'd ever written together. And he walked into my studio at the time. And songwriters are funny too in in a sense that uh you know we do collaborate almost all the time now and so collaboration is kind of a weird thing you have to you know everybody's kind of playing off each other's thing and you know you try to leave the egos out of the room but i don't care how big the artist is or how big the songwriter is or how great your idea is that you're about to spit out to somebody you always kind of apologize for it ahead of time and I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, but, you know, you're, I don't care if the idea is, you know, friends in low places or Jesus take the wheel or whatever. You go, man, you know, this probably sucks, but I'm going to say it anyway, you know, or, you know, this is probably nothing, you know, I'm just, but, 
or, or help me, help me, help me with this, you know, just because you're always kind of, you're trying to save your ego a little bit. And, and, and even if you think it's really great, that's just the way you preface it. Man, there's nothing, but, and, and a lot of times, even if you, you know, you might have held on to this idea for six months and think it's just magic. And it's just, man, this just hit me in the car as I was pulling in, you know, because you're trying to kind of save face a little bit. So Durst kind of did that to me one day. He literally, this, on this first time we'd written a song together, he, uh, he walked in and, and he literally had stuff written down on a napkins, you know, like, like, like you hear about in, in, you know, Willie Nelson doing or something. And he said, man, I just wrote some stuff down and this is probably just nothing. But I'll throw it out anyway, you know. And he basically read me the first verse to this song, which is also kind of his life story. Um, you know, it's just an old beat-up truck. Some say that I should trade up now that I got some jingle in my pocket. But what they don't understand is it's the, it's the, it's the, oh, what they don't understand. It's the miles of make a man. I wouldn't trade that thing for a rocket. What they don't know is my dad and me, we drove her down to Tennessee, and he's still, she's still here, but now he's gone, so I hold on. I was like, are you kidding me? It's just an old beat-up box, six rusty strings across the top. It probably don't look like much to you. you know, that's his story, because Dirk still drives that truck. If you see Dirk's today, he'll be driving like a 98 Chevy truck. It's awesome. And uh, that's just the kind of guy he is. And so it's kind of like his story, you know? And so, and then, you know, he kind of had some ideas for the, the second verse in there. And I was like, okay, well, we're doing this today. <laughs> and this is not, this doesn't suck. This is freaking amazing. Sounds like he did the hard work for you. He did, did absolutely did the hard work for, for me. And he didn't have the, yeah, I think he even had the I Hold On title. It was just like, thanks. So he kind of just walked in and dropped that bomb. And we were off to the races that day. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I, that's another one I, I I love to sing. I love what it says. I love that it's his story. Um, and uh, yeah, we we lost a couple Song of the Year awards for that song. So there you go. You know, so good to be nominated. You record a lot of demos. You do some stuff here in the studio or in the in the office, right? Um, but when it re- comes to recording a demo that you're going to pitch, um, do you sing on those? The ones that end up making the rounds around Nashville. The majority of, of the male ones that I write, yeah. Um, and some of the female ones, yeah. Uh, you know, unless I'm, if I'm working with an artist, uh, then, you know, we always try to get the artist to sing it that day because you never know if they leave the room if you're ever going to capture them again, you know, and, and, and time down and get them to sing the demo for you. Um, but typically it's just because I have been a singer forever and, and, sung a bunch of demos and I have a bunch of different voices I use for demos. And that's kind of a, one of my little tricks of the trade is that I try to, I can tailor a song a little bit vocally to sound a little more this way, a little more, hopefully like a certain artist will hear it and kind of hear themselves in it. Um, so it's kind of just, it's normal in most writing situations that I'm, I'm in that I'm kind of expected to sing a demo and I don't mind doing that. Yeah. When you, sorry, when you um, recorded the I am now EP, you hadn't been singing really in your own voice all the time to what you were just saying. Was that a challenge to kind of find out who you were when you weren't trying to be writing for someone else? Not really, because I know, I know who I am at, to the core, but that voice doesn't necessarily work for country demos. So uh, it was just more fun to get to use it, you know, and more fun to get to sing out and just have fun and play, which is what I love to do, yeah. We're going to continue the conversation about great vocalists and it i mean how lucky are you to have so many great vocalists sing your songs 
And there's another one on the list that we wanted to bring up is Kelly Clarkson. Oh, yeah. You ever see her show that's uh, on um, NBC or one of these? Yeah, and you know the, the greatest thing the about it. It's exactly right. And there's, she sings every style incredibly. And when she does a country song, it sounds like a country singer. And it's, she does a pop song, she sounds like a great pop singer. So having that voice on your songs must be nice. Well, yeah. I mean, she's only cut one of my songs, a song called Mr. Know-It-All. But, I mean... Yes, she's just, uh, I, I agree with you that the best part of the morning, if you're around when Kelly Clarkson is opening her show, crushing whatever song she's singing and singing it better than the record by whoever recorded it first, is like inhuman. I mean, she's that good. And it's just fun to watch. It's, 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 it's an amazing thing that, you know, we can say all we want about these song vocalist contests, but they brought us people like Kelly Clarkson and Carrie Underwood and Daughtry. And, I mean, they work. <laughs> you know, I mean, can you imagine if Kelly Clarkson hadn't been discovered? I mean, that she's working in a bank somewhere? I mean, you know, fathom that. I mean, so, you know, I, I just think it's amazing. And uh, she is just incredible. One of the things I noticed from watching you play live and telling some of the stories of these songs is that, you know, the harder I work, the luckier I get, right? The, and I watched this documentary called It All Begins With a Song, and it really kind of dug into that ecosystem here and how what you described before, it's not, well, maybe there's some luck involved, but it's also a lot of hard work. Talk about that, that documentary and how you come to work today just like I do. You come in in the morning, turn on the coffee, you get to work, you know, you have your lunch, get back to work. Talk a little bit about that because I don't think most people understand that this, as much as it's art, it's also a job. Yeah, I mean, no question about it. And I think you have to kind of, if you want to do it for a living, you really do have to do. If you can if you can find, you know, the days where those art and commerce kind of cross perfectly are the days that are, are, are both artistically satisfying and, and hopefully, you know, pay for some kids' diapers, you know, at some point. Um, and that's getting more challenging all the time, but it really is, uh, you have to realize that it's, it, 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 you can't just do exactly what you want or say exactly what you want in songs if you're trying to write them for other voices. It's just not a thing we can do. And it just requires a lot of time and effort. And, you know, we call it just like in every, every other business, grinding, you know. And you talk to songwriters, man, it's been grinding, grinding, grinding. And we've got uh, a guy that, works with me in the building he's in here right now a guy named will bundy and will's not a famous songwriter yet but he's about to be and i think he's had 35 of his songs recorded this year but i bet will wrote 200 songs last year and i can guarantee that we're here at i don't know what time it is it's about 11 12 and, and will will be here at midnight tonight because not because he's also will's also he's a great track i mean he's a great top line songwriter but he's also an amazing track maker so that's the thing, like, I sing the demo, but I record them with the band, or if I'm, if I'm with Will, I'll sing it, you know, I'll, we'll write it, I'll sing it, and then he's got to just make a record, and then he's got to wake up tomorrow and do the same thing. And so most of the time when I write a song with Will, I leave at 3, he sends a mix out at 11 or 12, and then he does it again the next day. And that's grinding, you know, and to do that 200 times a year, it takes a lot of hard work. And so I think that's... 
I've never met a, a really successful songwriter that didn't try to outwork everybody else. It's just a, a thing that you have to do. You know, it's one thing if you're an artist and you you're writing an album every two or three years. That's great, and that you know that's a whole different thing. But if you're coming from the outside, just trying to get your songs recorded by those artists, it's 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 a grind, and so you gotta you gotta hustle. Have there been periods in your career where there that there there are lulls, maybe a little slower, because you don't always know what's gonna connect what's going to get recorded and you have some songs which you said sit around for four or five years and, and don't go anywhere and have there been periods that are slower where you wonder well why aren't why isn't this working right now and then versus other times where you're just oh absolutely getting recorded like crazy <laughs> absolutely like today you know why <laughs> no, i got a cut yesterday that's good <laughs> um, you know it's uh yeah absolutely i think they're they're peaks and valleys in every creative career. I don't think anybody, and and you know you're going to go away. That's the other thing, too. Nobody stays on top of, of this game forever. It's not a thing that anybody's ever done, you know? I mean, you look at the greatest songwriters in history, and they all had creative periods, and those are the songs they're still singing. I mean, that's kind of an interesting thing. Um, to do it from the outside gives us a little more, hopefully, longevity because we can use a bunch of different voices and try to try to look for that. But, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, the way you put it in Nashville is, you know, your, your arc of your career is who's Brett James, you know, get me Brett James, get me the next Brett James, <laughs> who's Brett James, you know, <laughs> and, and that's just sort of the way this game is played. And at some point you have to realize that, that you're not going to be the hot guy anymore, you know, and, you know, and that's fair. And I think, and you, and, but what, what I try to do and what the goal for me as a 53-year-old as who gets to write with 19-year-olds and 20-year-olds and 21-year-olds that are, haven't had success yet but are they're incredibly talented and, you know, is if I want to stay relevant, my goal is to listen. My goal is to be quiet. You know, can I write a song faster than they can? Yeah, I've done it a lot more times than they. they but I can't write it better than they can. And I can't be 20 and I can't be 21, but what I might be able to do is help, you know? And so I think that sort of the key is to realize you're not all that and to realize that that the next group is, you yeah. know? And hopefully if they'll still let me be in the room, then I can, you know, yeah. add a little something to that. I, I read this great quote last week by Jonathan Daniel from Crush Management, and he said, if you give me a great song, my job is easy. If you give me a good song, my job is impossible. <laughs> and I've seen you work with young talent. We heard some this week that just was amazing. Talk about how, okay, you're, you're doing this, but now you're bringing in the stable of writers and maybe, maybe giving them some good advice, maybe co-writing with them, maybe kind of being a, you know, uh, a mentor in some ways. Is that kind of accurate? Yeah, I mean, I've had a publishing company. I've been lucky to have a publishing company for 15 years now. Um, and we've had a lot of, you know, really successful writers come come through. And that's really cool. And our specialty in my little publishing company has always been signing people off the street. They've never, really? I think we've signed, of the bunch of writers we've signed over the years, I think one has ever even had a previous publishing deal. Wow. You know? So that's kind of the way we've just modeled it. Um 
And I'm certainly not. I don't think I know it all at all. I, you know, I, 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 but I, I, I will be a shoulder for them to cry on and say, hey, I've been there too, you know, or, you know, just try to encourage them, help them, kind of guide them a little bit, you know, understanding that this is a, this is a, this is, this is a job and an art form that no one really understands. I mean, the more you do it, the less you understand. So, so to think that I've got really that much to imp- wisdom to impart is, is, is kind of ridiculous. So I just try to help out when I can and, and just try to, you know, love on them and give them a safe space to be creative. You know, there's so many people moving to Nashville these days and outside the industry, but also songwriters, musicians and, uh, are you writing with some of these people who are just arriving to town, young people? Are these some of your co-writers lately? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of them. Um, kids that weren't here a year or two ago, you know. And that's that's kind of still the beauty of this town. I mean, it's a very welcoming town. You know, if you have the shit, you know, you'll get somewhere. And and it's that's just a fact. And if you have the shit and you're willing to really work really hard, then you'll really get somewhere. And, you know... Nashville's always been so open to talent, you know. That's that's the way we all got here. Everybody got in a crappy car and drove here and waited tables or did whatever they had to do, you know, and knocked on a bunch of doors to try to get in. And I think that if you've done that, you realize that it, hey, let's go. As long as you as long as you're bringing it, as long as you have the talent, then then this is an incredibly welcoming town. What's come out of those songwriting sessions? What's been recorded so far that you would say this is the new Nashville that you're working with. Oh wow, that's a great question. Uh, well, like I, I, I think there's a guy that's that's breaking out that I got a song recorded on yesterday that I'll, I'll and I've had a couple. We've only written two songs. He's recorded them both, so that's a great place to start. He's not brand new. He just won the ACM New Artist of the Year, but he's new to Nashville. He's a guy named Parker McCollum who has been crushing it in Texas, his home state, and now he's starting to kind of crush it everywhere else. But um, you know, I think that would be a great example of, of a guy who really wasn't, uh, uh, didn't have a real presence in Nashville not too long ago, and all of a sudden he shows up and is kind of, you know, one, one of the one of the people that's taken the town by storm. Do you still enjoy playing yourself, playing live? We've seen you play some shows. You're known as a songwriter, kind of behind the scenes, but you're also singer, songwriter, performer. Do you, do you still like to do that? I do, you know, yeah. I do, I do, and I do quite a few, a lot of corporate gigs, you know, I, I did one or two last week, and, and uh, you know, I did one by myself at the, at the Hall of Fame, like, three nights ago, that was just a blast, because, you know, you kind of, kind of, it's, it's uh, people don't know what they're stepping into when they see a songwriter show, they have no idea really who you are, what you're bringing to the table, um, Dave Hodges and I went up and did one in DC, I don't know if you know Dave Hodges, but he's, David Hodges is amazing, pop songwriter, written some of my favorite songs. And so it's also fun because we, we develop these kind of camaraderies on stage and, and, and kind of get our sticks together a little bit. But, um, yeah, I really do, you know, on the right night with the right crowd, they're, they're just amazing. And I uh, still love doing them. I'll actually be in Tulsa at the PGA Championships this Friday night playing for a bunch of folks there for something. I don't know what. But I, I, it was funny. I told them, they asked me what I needed for sound Friday night. And I said, well, you know, it's just me and an acoustic, so I don't need much. But, you know, it's a, I know it's going to be a pretty big crowd. I just make sure there's plenty of sound because there's a lot of storytelling. And I just need it to be loud enough or they'll just, you know, they won't even know I'm there. And they said, well, uh, you're opening for Pitbull, so there's plenty of sound. <laughs> so, so that's what I'm doing Friday night. <laughs> when you play live, um, do you get to 
tell the stories behind the songs. Like when you songwriter shows in Nashville, there's ample opportunity for songwriters to talk about the song, right? Because they're very personal and you're sitting in front of an audience in the round and it's a good atmosphere for that. Is that something you'd like to do to give people a little more than the lyrics? hundred percent. I think they, I think they come for that. I think they come back for those stories as much as they come back for their songs themselves. You know, I think they want to hear how it happened. I think it just means more to them if they can kind of get to, that's what songwriters have to offer as opposed to the recording artists sometimes. And so, you know, we have to bring what we have to offer and, and try to make it just fun and intimate. Brett, thanks so much for joining us today and giving us a little glimpse behind the curtain, a little bit of how the sausage is made. We really appreciate that. Thanks for having me, guys. What a, thanks what a so blast. much. Thanks, thanks for hanging out. Thank appreciate Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.